I am Rachel Humphrey with DEI Advisors. We are a nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering personal success in the hospitality industry. And I am delighted to welcome to the show today a longtime friend and mentor of mine, Marina McDonald. Marina, welcome to the show. Well, Rachel, it is an honor to be here with you today. Really, it is. You brought the sunshine here in Ohio. Oh, nice. Not here in Atlanta. We are going to spend about 30 minutes together today. We're going to talk a little bit about your path to leadership and some of the lessons that you've learned along the way. And because we are going to be short on time, we are going to jump right into it. But one of the things that I really love about the hospitality industry is how unique every path can be. There's not one road that everybody has to take to achieve any level of success. Talk to me a little bit about what your path has looked like. And then if there were any really pivotal moments in that you think have helped guide that journey for you. I love to. And thank you for the question. I would say for me, listening and learning has been like a catapult of my career. I'm going to start like right out of school. I'm from Philadelphia originally. I'm from Philadelphia, if you can't tell by my accent. (laughs) I am a, my parents are from Italy. I'm a first generation in the US. And my career, like I said, was listening and learning. But I had this motto, I didn't know it at the time that I had, was be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I didn't know what that meant. So my first job that I had was in this big hotel. It was the Franklin Plaza, the Wyndham Franklin Plaza in Philadelphia, 760 rooms, big, lots of 100,000 square feet of meeting space. And I didn't even know I wanted to be in hospitality or hotels, but I wanted to be in the city. And I take this job and I was executive assistant to the general manager, director of sales, general manager. And I was the worst at it because I was so interested in what the salespeople were doing. And they would, and it was a big hotel. So there was 15 or 20 salespeople. And every day at eight o'clock in the morning, they would come into the general manager's office. And I was, I was supposed to take the minutes. I'm supposed to go in and take the minutes of the meeting. And I wouldn't. I would ask questions and I would listen and I would take notes. And the general manager finally realized that I was the world's worst assistant. And he (laughs) says, Marina, what is your ambition? Like Marina. And I, so I asked him and I said, I really want to be in sales. And literally the next day he said, you're in sales. Oh my goodness. In sales. And it was fantastic. And I did outside sales, my first job. And he said, okay, you're in sales. Report to the sales department. I said, excellent. I know all of them. Here I go. And my first person that mentored me, she said, okay, Marina, this is what we're going to be doing every day. Okay. After the meeting at nine o'clock, we we did outside sales from nine to 11, come back, have lunch with the client, go back out, make sales calls from two to four, come back and report on your day every five days a week. I loved it. And then on the weekends, I was manager on duty. I just thought it was the best thing ever. The best. So I got comfortable. I didn't realize it at the time, but, and then I got comfortable doing it. I was uncomfortable at first saying, okay, I'm a salesperson. And then I moved up in, in that big hotel. And that was a really fantastic experience. And then I got an opportunity to move to Florida, to move to Tampa, Florida. And that was really uncomfortable. More for my parents. I have old school Italian father, Italian mother. And for me to leave, to go to Florida was like, Marina, you have a husband? Where, why are you? I didn't have a husband. I was leaving. And so I went to Florida and living first time away from home and get comfortable being uncomfortable there. Had a great experience, learned about the Florida market, et cetera, et cetera. And then again, moved up again, listening, learning, had mentors that believed in me when I didn't really see it for myself. 
and became a director of sales. Moved to Washington, D.C. I was so excited, but completely, un- again, being comfortable, being completely uncomfortable, out of my comfort zone, leading a team of people. But there, I worked at a little hotel at the time, 240 rooms. That was It was a fantastic experience. I got married. I lived in four different places. See, when you move to D.C., it's either do you live in Maryland or do you live in Virginia? So we had to live in both places. So did that moving around and then moved again. Another opportunity, raised my hand and moved back to Florida and became, got a bigger hotel, became a sales and marketing, then moved up again, became a regional vice president of sales, same company. I worked for Wyndham and the company was growing at the time and the more growth, more opportunity. And I took advantage of that. And I had mentors along the way that helped me. And, but it was always this, one of my mentors would say to me, Marina, you have two ears, one mouth, use them appropriately. So I always was, I go into a meeting and I would listen twice as much as I, I spoke. When I first, my first career, as I was building my career, became a regional vice president and then became, then moved to Dallas, um, Texas and became a vice president, larger territory, West Coast territory, Caribbean, lots of salespeople. We had a large organization at the time and had, I moved to Dallas and the day I moved to Dallas, I found out I was pregnant. It was fantastic. And so moved to a new city, new state, knew no one. And we had our daughter, Sophia. And so we lived in Dallas for about five years, five or six years or so. And a mentor of mine told me about this opportunity with Red Roof. And I said, my whole career, I've been in large group hotels, business travel hotels, full service hotels. I don't know anything about economy lodging. And he said to me, but Marina, you have been building more than you think. Like it was one of those, he believed in me more than I believed in myself. And and and, and I had women mentors too. Marina, you can do this. It, it was but the interesting thing was we, my husband and I lived by this motto as well of bloom where you're planted. We lived in a lot of different places. So moved back to Ohio, which was really for us the first time in as long as we've been married, ever lived near family because his family was in, is in Columbus, Ohio and Dayton, Ohio. So it was fantastic. We came back and my career started with Red Roof and got to build. That was when Red Roof separated from a core. And it was literally, I saw it as a startup, literally. It was a brand that was 30 years old, but it was a startup because you had, I had to start the whole like strategy of marketing, finding agencies, building a plan. And it was very exciting and has been ever since. It has been fantastic ever since. So it's been really, for me, I don't want to say living the dream, but it is those fundamental things of listening and learning, being comfortable, being uncomfortable has built my career, I would say. And that's my story. You have so many incredible nuggets of wisdom (laughs) built just into that path to leadership. I actually want to develop on some of those thoughts because everybody has kind of what motivates them, what drives them, how each one has happened. But yours now in hindsight, you're able to see this pattern or this similarity in each of those things. But I'm going to flip it on its head for a second. While we are talking about career development, an important part of that is how we manage to be more than just a careerist. 
whether it is as a parent, a spouse, and other things. And I know that you have recently entered a new chapter of empty nesting as I'm about to do. Talk to me about what advice you would give as people are trying to figure out whether it's as spouses, parents, or whether it's just having hobbies or passions or things outside of work, how you have evolved or maybe learned or advice you got along the way on really finding either management or harmony, if you have, in those various roles? I think probably when I when Sophia, when when we had Sophia, my husband, we were fortunate, he took a re- early retirement, and he became a stay-at-home father. And that is really when I leaned into the notion of there's work-life choices. That for me, it was work like this whole notion for me of work life balance really wasn't, it didn't resonate with me because I thought, but choices, work life choices, and the choices that I made every day of, okay, is it a family choice? And literally, it would be, how was the morning going to be? (laughs) The choices I'm going to make in the morning, I would take it to that level. What are the choices in the morning? And then what's going to be my choices in the afternoon and the evening? And, and then there was, so every day it was a choice. What choice was I going to, to make on that particular day to support myself, my, my family to be the best we could be that day. Honestly, it was just, how can we be the best that day? It wasn't long. When you have little ones at first, it's how do you survive that? And then getting into school, work-life choices. And I remember when she started in school, we would get the calendar for the year and I literally put it on my calendar and I traveled. I travel a lot like you, like you do. And there were non-negotiables. And I was like, I'm going to be here. I am sorry. I'm going to miss this meeting. And then there were times that I couldn't be. And I would have to say to my husband and Sophie, there, these are times that are, and they absolutely support support of that. But I would say that what worked for me was that mantra of work, work like choices. What's my choice for the day? I think that's a great way of looking at it. I think I've had a similar strategy, but never identified it by that title or by that way of thinking about it. And so that's a really great way of seeing it. And then when you make those choices, and I too am a calendar fanatic, (laughs) really being able to then see it laid out in its path. One of the other topics you touched on frequently in your journey is the role of mentors and champions. And one of the things that you said that resonated with me is people seeing things in me that I don't see in myself. And you use that phrase, which hits very close to home for me. Talk a little bit about, you've talked about the role of mentoring and championing others of you. Now at this stage Mm. in your career, you get to mentor and champion along the way. Talk about advice you would give for people to identify mentors and champions, how to approach possibly that relationship or what they can hope to get out of that. Giving back is the joy of life. That is what fills my cup is being able to, and sometimes I'll identify them. I, we have, as we, Red Roof started the Red Roof Forum on Leadership for Women Entrepreneurs, and it is, it it spreads the spectrum, right? Of owners, team members, partners, et cetera. It's, it isn't solely on one, one category. But when I talk, when I look at team members, women that are coming in new in their career, and I identify a group of them, 
like five or six of them. And it's really fulfilling to see how just by identifying them and saying, we're going to be your champion. Just that, that pure thought of, oh my God, you're going to be my champion and, or mentor. And it is, we brought six women through Castell, the build program. And you could see from the first meeting with them to the last meeting, how they really excelled and blossomed, how they worked together. But for me, it was the moments that when I would meet with them and we would never talk about whatever the topics were, we would talk about life. And it was the moments of overcoming an obstacle or thinking about a situation instead of going head on, how do you go from the side? How do you, that obstacle, not straight on, but to, on the side view and just giving those bits of wisdom and seeing it come back. And I learned from them too. So it's so fulfilling for me to see them grow in their career and move on and just have a fulfilling life. I like the intentionality too, though. You say we identify yes. and then we develop and build. Yes. And that is certainly the definition of champion. And one of the things I love about champions is we don't often know that someone is championing for us behind yes. the scenes as well. It doesn't have to be always right out in the open. Another thing that you touched on is taking risks. It is risky to go from Philadelphia to Florida or from one job to another, or to say, you know what, maybe the assistant role isn't for me. Maybe it is sales. You've taken a tremendous number of risks in your career. Do you have a way that you evaluate them? Certainly you don't take all of them that cross your path. Or is there a thought process you go through or how do you really know this is a risk that's worth taking for me? There was a poet, T.S. Eliot, who says, only those who risk going too far can possibly know how far one can go. Oh, that's great. And I just, I love that because I think that we always underestimate how far we can go. And that's risk because it's it's scary sometimes yeah. to take the risk. And I would say every single time I took a risk, sometimes it was, sometimes it's, it isn't, it's calculated. And sometimes it's just go for it. Listen, yeah. I'm in marketing. So sometimes I just go for it, right? And the campaign is either a great one or it's not. And trust me, when it's a not a great one, my franchisees will tell me. But when, but so it's calculated, but sometimes you just have to go for it. You just literally have to like, and be courageous enough to realize that it's going to be okay. Yeah. No matter what it is, it's going to be, it will be okay as long as you did your best, but take the risks. And sometimes they're calculated and sometimes they're just not. And they're just, you just go for it. That's great advice. Mm -hmm. And thank you for sharing that because you're right. You may have the best strategy in place and all reason may <laughs> take you in a different direction. But at the yeah. end of the day, just jumping. I have talked a lot about support systems over the last couple of years. And a friend recently shared with me the concept of a personal board of directors. Mm -hmm. I always like to share with our audience how I selected a particular <laughs> interview. I've been very fortunate in my career to have access to tremendous leaders, you included. And I want to share that access with everybody else. But I want to tell you something, and I've mentioned it to you before, but I don't know if you would think about it in this concept of support systems. Each time I leave you, whether in person or on the phone, you say something so energizing and so positive 
and refreshing that I feel good leaving. And so without even knowing I needed a little boost or a, this was great or good call or my cup is full, whatever it is at the time, you have an incredible way of ending on a very positive note. And maybe I just haven't been in meetings where it's not that way. Thank you. Talk about, and that's really just to show that support systems can come, whether you know they're there or not, but also in ways that that you don't even know about. Talk about your support system. Do you rely on one? How do you identify who maybe is in that inner circle for you? How do you know who to turn to when you, maybe something doesn't go your way or you have a big risk to evaluate and you want to get someone's ear? Talk a little bit about your support system. I have, you can't like all of us, you cannot get to certain levels of your career without an enormous support system, starting with your family, starting with the people that love you the most, that give you uh, a, they know you the best. They give you the most sound advice, like it or not. I I always say I go from, in my family, I have a 90-year-old mother and a 19-year-old daughter and everyone in between in my family can, aunts, uncles, cousins along the way at all different ages, give me wisdom. And so they are definitely in my network of love, right? I have a love me, they know me and they support me and they give me transparent feedback. Then there's the unbelievable mentors that I look for that just have sage sound advice. They're incredible listeners, really smart, and they just have such wisdom that they, and they care for me. And they're the ones that, really when I'm stuck and I on a issue or project, they break it down for me, but they listen and they're able to capsulize it into things that I didn't think about or see. So that is a group. And then I have my friends that I just, my cycling friends that I just love to, I'm a cyclist. I don't know if you know that about me, but I I, I cycle for cancer research. And, And so they're just, that is a great group. I am a part of chief I don't know mm-hmm. if you know that, um, and it's an incredible organization. And I have six women there that literally are a sounding board every month. None of them are in our industry, but we come together and just can be real about things that are going on. So I have a whole different network of different things and it's just a community of people. It's a big group and I tap who I need at the time that when I need a lot of courage, I tap a certain group. When I need a lot of love, I tap another one. When I need a lot of fun, I tap another. So it just, it's that network of support and love. And I love that it comes from so many dis- different aspects of your life. And I know the work you do for charity in the cycling is very important to you and happy to be a part of that as well. I want to switch gears for a second now to, we've talked about mentors and champions, maybe advocating for us. There is a generalization that as women, we don't do a good job advocating for ourselves. What would you tell someone out there listening who may say, you know what, I am not good about raising my hand. I'm not good about negotiating for something that I want or letting somebody know that I'm interested in an opportunity. You did it right off the bat when you're like, I'm not sure being an assistant is for me, but I think I'm really good at what you guys are sitting around doing. So clearly from the early part of your career, you have knowingly or not found a way to advocate for yourself. What would you tell others to do in that? I would say that now 
what I do is I advocate for them. I model it. One thing is that I will advocate or showcase an idea for someone. And that's champion and that's advocating. But when they model it and then I would take, if I see that they're pausing or they're not comfortable, I would wait and say, she has a really great idea. He has a really great idea. We talked about one and give them a safe space. Sometimes you just got to give them space to, because you see that they're uncomfortable, like this whole notion of comfortable being uncomfortable, because I know that so well, I know when someone is uncomfortable and they have a little bit of, a bit of fear and how can I make it a soft landing for them or face them? And if I'm modeling it, then they see, and then I'll show that, that how to do it and then ask them, okay, in your next meeting, try just one time for yourself. And it's amazing what, what'll happen next. They'll come back and say, oh my God, I raised my hand. I added, I contributed, I did X, Y, Z. And it was a small thing. 1% moves, if you do it every day, is big moves. And sometimes people think that they have to be really like out there. And they don't. It It can be very small and subtle. But for them, it's a big, they moved a big, they took a big step. They took one step forward. And that's fantastic. I think it's modeling and it is advocating for others. When you do that for other people, it just comes back. It just comes back to me anyway. I love the combination of modeling it and then providing a safe space for others to do it, encouraging them and then having them come back and say when it's been successful. Because I think you're right. Whether it is speaking in a meeting or public speaking or something else, you don't have to jump in to the deepest part of the ocean on your first jump. You can and should, I think, in a lot of ways, do these bite size that you're talking about in building up confidence. Others then will see that you're doing it and continue to give you opportunities. So I love that as a strategy. I think one of the most important things we can do in our personal lives, our professional lives as leaders is to reflect. I think we are a constant work in progress. (laughs) I think we always are exploring growth for ourselves and others. And so I love the question of what advice would you give to 21-year-old Marina? Because I do think that we learn so much along the way. So sitting here today, knowing how played out for you, the path that you've taken, what would you tell 21-year-old Marina? I would say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And have a voice, but use it wisely. Listen more. Listen. And, And really, don't be afraid, but be courageous. Be courageous. Be brave, but don't be afraid. Just don't be afraid. It's so interesting to me to hear you say that because it didn't sound like your 21-year-old self <laughs> was afraid. You were jumping into every that came your way. Oh, yeah. So again, with your ability to share that today, thank you so much for yeah. doing that because I would not have gathered that from knowing you today, but I also wouldn't have gathered that from your sharing your path to leadership. The other thing we learn along the way is that none of us achieves any level of success career-wise or personally without some challenges day to day. And we all tackle them differently. I would ask, I guess, this in two parts. One is, do you have a strategy that you use for overcoming obstacles? And then do you maybe have one that you say, you know what, I learned a really great lesson from this challenge, this obstacle, maybe this thing that didn't go according to plan. So I would say the obstacle of fear. You have to overcome the obstacle of fear. 
And that's, yes, with bravery, you have to be brave. I talk about this. You've heard it now, be comfortable being uncomfortable. But when I think about overcoming an obstacle, this is a physical, this is a, this is one that is a very, came to me in a very, I didn't realize this was going to happen to me. So I went to a team build retreat and it's one of those, okay, you climb the pole, you walk over. Okay. So you understand what those things are, right? So here I am, I'm the last one up. Okay climb the pole and now walk across the majority of the people were falling and you're strapped in. So I get across and now I'm on the other side and now I, I'm on the other big pole and now I have to just let go to be done. I'm done. And I'm holding on, literally, I'm holding on to a pole, a telephone pole, and I won't let go. And I'm holding on to it with dear Mike. And that was a lesson. And finally, I let go. And I didn't realize I had a problem letting go. (laughs) (laughs) And it was an obstacle that I learned. And I was like, so every time I come up with a, like an obstacle or something, I go, Marina, you're wrapped around the pole. Oh, wow. Let go. And I go, oh, I let go. And it just melts. And it's really going to be okay. It's one of those obstacle of fear and the obstacle of being courageous and letting go. But it's also, what's the worst that can happen? I do that, make that list really, literally what is the worst that can happen? I do that with myself. I do that with, with my daughter, with my husband. Okay. What's the worst case scenario? Are you going to be homeless? Like really what's the, what, what is it that you think is the, from this situation, that's going to be the worst thing that happens. What an incredible lesson just from that one moment and how you're able to remember it and carry it forward. Marina, as I expected, because I could sit and visit with you all day long, we are running short short on time, but keeping in mind the mission of DEI advisors to empower personal success, what is one final piece of advice you would offer to our audience? One piece of advice I would say, I'm going to go back to don't be afraid. Don't be afraid and embrace the uncomfortable. And there you have it. So important. On behalf of my own personal career journey and the hospitality industry as a whole, thank you so much for your leadership. Thank you for continuing to inspire and guide the next generation of leaders. Thanks for taking part in DEI Advisors. And to those listening today, if you have liked what you've heard, we hope you will visit us at deiadvisors.org and hear from some of this industry's top leaders on their paths to leadership and the insights they've learned along the way, which are also available on all of your streaming channels where you stream podcasts. So we hope that you will join us. But Marina, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for joining us and for supporting DEI Advisors. Thank you so much. Have a great day.